When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Stephen Hyden, author of Twilight of the Gods, A Journey to the End of Classic Rock, and you are listening to Rock and Roll Archaeology. History in Five Songs With host Martin Popoff A production of Pantheon Podcasts Let's rock out with Martin. Well, hello there. Back again uh, for another episode of History and Five Songs with Martin Popoff, brought to you by Pantheon Media. Had a hard time titling this episode. Um, I'm calling it Choirs of Angels, but uh, and it's basically about background vocals. I could have called it background vocals. It's funny when you look at the press. Uh, or, or bands talking in interviews. If they're from Europe, they often say things like choirs. Uh, they call these things choirs. Who knows what to call these things? Um, but I'm calling this Choirs of Angels um, because we are going to be discussing background vocals in heavy metal um, and mostly of a certain type, mostly of the, the large panoramic angelic type um, but you know I will drop down on some comments about other types of backing vocals in heavy metal and what they do for heavy metal songs but yes this is an episode where we are going to celebrate the history using five songs so history in five songs of choirs of angels so let's get cracking um, okay number one uh, probably the big band that kicks it all off in heavy metal um, in terms of very angelic background vocals is your eye heap. Uh, this is a little segment of a song called Stealin'. Take a listen. So I stood on a ridge and shunned religion thinking the world was mine. I made my break and a big mistake Stealing when I should have been buying I was stealing when I should have been buying Okay, so the cool thing about your eye heap, um, you know, this is a known trope, and it's uh, it's just an amusing little anecdote. Um, when when your eye heap would get compared to Deep Purple because they are very similar because of the Hammond organ sound, you know, one of one of Mick Box's uh, quips is that. Yeah, the main difference is we had five singers, they had one. Um, and it's a very important distinction because your eye heap, a big part of the heap sound, and again, we're talking, if you've listened to past episodes that I've done, uh, the, you know, your eye heap is one of the big three bands that invented heavy metal, period. It's, it's heap, it's deep purple, and it's Black Sabbath. But of the three, uh, your eye heap... Uh, is enormous in this field of background vocals or choirs of angels, as it were. So they're all singing, they're all singing high, they're all singing shamelessly, feminine, whatever you want to call it, 
just very sweet angelic background vocals all over the place which is tempering you know the the heavy heavy rhythms and the grinding ham and organ that these guys come up with and this does have a precedent i mean even though we're talking 1970 heap is basically doing this right from the beginning but basically uh, before heap uh, probably the big precedent in terms of a band doing this kind of thing is vanilla fudge and they're often called uh, a bit of a um a bit of a precursor to heavy metal anyways they did the same thing in terms of what deep purple did uh with taking a lot of cover versions and extending them and making them heavier but they were also all incredible singers i i gotta tell you i saw this band live all four members uh, reunited probably about 10 years ago here in Toronto and I could not believe it even you know god forbid the drummer Carmen Apice great guy um still still killing it into his 70s he looks like a tough guy right with the big mustache and the big bushy black hair and he's the drummer and all that stuff pretty big guy singing like a songbird so he's up there Mark Stein and uh, Tim Bogart all of them they Vinnie Martell they 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 just all four of them are in there singing and, and and they're creating these gorgeous complex harmonies and that's where kind of your eye heap gets it from in terms of uh, inspiration I would call it okay moving on number two in our history and five songs of choirs of angels uh, we have Queen definitely Queen had to be in here this is this is a uh, death on two legs from 1975's uh, night in the opera take a listen death on two legs. What I like about this sample is that you get to hear uh, the interaction with Freddie Mercury uh, in there as well. Now, Queen is considered even more so uh, than than Heap, uh, a, a production tour de force band. They want to try a lot of different things with all sorts of different in instruments. You know, they have the piano in there. Brian May has a huge palette of guitar sounds that he's into. There's a lot of percussion there's Tim Bally's uh, and there's lots and lots of parts Queen are you know arguably a progressive heavy metal band but they did love their um, they did love their big harmony vocals and what's a little different from Heap uh, in, in Queen is that you hear a little more of the humanity in it uh, you don't get as many layers, but even if you do, um, what you hear is a little bit of the, uh, of the difference in the three voices, not, not John Deacon in here, but you hear, you hear Brian May's voice, which is kind of, uh, the highest, most naive and frail voice. You hear Roger Taylor, the drummer's voice, which is a little bit of the, um, the rougher voice, but he has a lot of versatility in that. And he is the guy who sings the really super high parts. So ironically, when he's doing the harmonies, you're getting that. And you get Freddie's voice, which is quite versatile as well. So in Queen, you get a lot of, uh, a, a lot of uh, the individual guys shining through. And they're also super smart in the ways they use this all over the place. Um, sometimes there's many, many tracks, sometimes not so many tracks. Uh, but, you know, they're probably the first band that comes to mind in terms of uh, angelic harmonies in a, in a hard rock context. 
Okay. Uh, actually, let's take a short break right now, um, and we will be right back, and we'll move on to number three. When we dropped the first few episodes of Rock and Roll Archaeology into the feed three and a half years ago, little did we know that this telling of rock and roll history would become a pantheon of rock and roll podcasts. Since many of you first joined us on our rock and roll exploration, the halls of the rock and roll pantheon have filled with shows like Deeper Digs in Rock, Rock and Roll Librarian, Muses, Art of Rock with Caution Friends, Real Rock with the Reverend Andy King, Miss Pamela's Pajama Party, Vinyl Snob, and more. We are proud of this one-of-a-kind approach to an audio magazine of high-quality shows. That is Pantheon, and thank you for your support. We couldn't have done it without you, our diggers who listen to all of our shows. And now, we are excited to let you know that every show available as part of Pantheon can be found in their own podcast feed to subscribe to in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review the shows you've come to love. We look forward to adding more shows to fill the halls here in our Pantheon of Rock and Roll and find them all at PantheonPodcast.com. Keep up the rocking. All right, so we're back. A uh, bit of a contentious thing here. Um, so I put Sweet in here. Sweet, I put them in number three, but to give um, Steve Priest and Andy Scott and the guys uh, their due, which I believe this is true and I believe this is their due. Uh, you know, I've, I've talked to them before about um, their incredible harmony vocals and how Queen was a band that essentially took off into the stratosphere and got really famous with that and with all the other things they do, of course. Uh, but Sweet's career basically at the same time started to take a nosedive. Sweet uh, contends that uh, that Queen kind of nicked this idea of the harmony vocals. Queen is not working with Chapman and Chim the way Sweet is. Um, they're working with Roy Thomas Baker, and plus they're just super smart guys on their own, and they're coming up with all this, and they're very creative, and they're super talented, and they deserve all the fame they got. Sweet, on the other hand, was more or less first uh, into this. Now, Sweet comes from that uh, that UK glam scene, that goes from around 1971 to 1975. You know, I'm picking some sweet, uh, sweet here with white mice, uh, which is from um, 1976. Actually, I haven't, uh, I haven't mentioned. Uh, let, let's take a listen to it first, and then I'll, then I'll continue. Yeah. So here's sweet with white mice from uh, Give Us a Wink, 1976. All right. So, yes, to continue. So Sweet essentially um, contends that they were doing this before Queen was doing this. And in effect, they were. However, you know, Sweet really didn't have a lot of music before 1973 when Queen started and they were essentially doing this. But Sweet was doing this before before Queen to some extent. Um, but they certainly were doing it very, very, very concurrently 
with Queen. And Sweet, kind of stay with me on this, Sweet was the massively more famous band than Queen pretty much from about 1973 through to about 1975, through to uh, A Night in the Opera breaking through. Because Sweet had uh, Desolation Boulevard in there, and they had Give Us a Wink, uh, and a lot of early hits. They, they are a band that put out a lot of singles. The other thing about Sweet, so they come from this uh, Chin Chapman, Chapman Chin production sort of team, writing team thing. And a lot of that uh, high harmonizing came from that field. And those guys had other bands that were doing this as well. Susie Quattro was a big, um, a big uh, glam band at the time, but Mud essentially uh, was doing the same kind of thing as Sweet with these with these high hall harmonies. You know, in England you'd call it knees up harmonies. Uh, could, there, there actually was a little gruffness in it and a little bit of soccer hooligan uh, in, uh, in or football hooligan in in what they were doing, especially Mud and the other big glam band at the time doing this uh, would have been Slade. So Slade, Sweet, and Mud, I would say, off the top of my head, in terms of the heavier bands, uh, we're all doing a very similar thing with lots and lots of these high harmony vocals. Just one more note about Sweet. So their lead singer, Brian Connolly, a very troubled guy, uh, drank a lot and basically died of alcoholism. Um, he's the lead singer in the band, but all three of the other guys including the drummer Mick Tucker, are all doing backup vocals all along this time. Lots of them. And in fact, uh, when it came to uh, their album Cut Above the Rest and Brian Connolly was out of the band, um, if you look at the credits, it's pretty interesting. Those three guys are the three guys left. They're essentially a power trio at this point. All three of them are credited with doing lead vocals. So uh, that just shows you how good they are at doing the backup vocals. This was, Sweet was a a, um, a, a team with a great bench. Um, okay, so moving on from that, uh, we come back overseas, uh, away from the UK. Those were all British bands. Uh, this is Van Halen with Running With The Devil. Okay, why I chose this track, um, I wanted to show and prove that Van Halen were essentially doing these big, big harmonies uh, all across their records. They did lots and lots of these harmonies, but they were doing it um, essentially right away. So this is the first track on the band's very first album. Now, you know, tr true to form, uh, Van Halen fought like cats and dogs about everything uh, and there's there has to be a controversy there has to be drama about these background vocals and there are and there is um, basically um, the background vocals of Van Halen are credited with uh, with being you know Dave has a lot of versatility he he likes doing these oohs and ahs he's, he's good at that Eddie was in there on the background vocals with sort of a middle voice but the main sort of architect and the main guy credited with making the background vocals so good in Van Halen was the bassist Michael Anthony. He had that high, clear, clean sound. And, uh, 
you know, the controversy later on is it's not a big controversy, but well, there's controversy just in the fact that Michael doesn't get his due and there's the big rift with Michael, blah, blah, blah. But also, um, you know, are the, are the, um, background vocals when Van Halen plays live, are they taped? And if they are taped, you know, further travesty is Mikey in there. Um, when uh, when he's not allowed in the band kind of thing. So that's one of the controversies around Van Halen. But yeah, it's kind of cool. It's kind of cool that this band, you know, like Queen, they had a lot of weapons um, and they had the same configuration as Queen, essentially. Uh, they had a front man. Queen's front man also played a lot of piano, of course. Um, but basically you had... Um, you know, what you tend to have in these bands, yeah, Queen and Van Halen essentially had a lot of firepower and a lot of talent. A side, a side note I wanted to make is that um, it's kind of cool in these bands when, um, when you do have a singer with a more manly, rough, masculine voice, uh, like a David Lee Roth, and even a Sammy Hager for that matter. Sammy comes from that Rod Stewart school of rasp. Uh, he's got a big, powerful voice. So it's cool when you have these background vocals and they could be they can be quite feminine and high uh, against that sort of thing. Another thing, uh, another point I wanted to make about background vocals before we wrap up, you know, there are a lot of heavy metal bands. I, you know, do heavy metal, uh, do, do background vocals belong in heavy metal? I think they, they do, and they sound great, and there's no problem with them. Um, but, you know, let's uh, let's remember that there are a lot of heavy metal bands that don't have a lot of background vocals. Um, you know, I'm thinking of the likes of Led Zeppelin and Black Sabbath, and uh, you get to the thrash bands like, um, you know, Metallica, there's more of a, uh, you know, in thrash, there's a lot of background vocal shouting um, because the thrash vocal anyways is an extreme vocal so there's not going to be a lot of clean ooing and eyeing and thrash um, but yeah you 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 tend to get these bands where you wonder if it has a little bit to do with uh, a the ego of the lead singer not wanting background vocals b just the strength and power and charisma of that singer meaning we don't need background vocals or also the idea that the other guys won't walk up to a microphone with a 10-foot pole kind of thing. Um, you know, it's funny. You see you see bands live, and, and it happens on records too. Some of these, uh, some of these uh, secondary members, non-lead singers, will occasionally, very rarely, walk up to a mic, and they will do a background vocals. Other times, they won't do background vocals at all. Um, so you, you get the entire mix. You get a band like ACDC, which is kind of funny. ACDC, again, a lot of firepower. A lot of talent, a lot of craft, the way they put things together. You get you get the normal background vocals, but they don't really overdo it. But you also get that very endearing, charming, mumbling out of tune background vocal. Um, you know, uh, come and get it, TNT, those kinds of things. Dirty deeds done dirt cheap. You know, um, when you see them live, you see Angus walk up to the mic and try his hand at it. And you go, God love you for giving it the old college try, but it's but it just sounds funny, right? So... Just a little side note. Okay, so moving on, um, quite a story here, of course, um, but I've gone a little bit off uh, off grid here with this one. So number five in our history and five songs of Choirs of Angels uh, is Def Leppard. This is Hello America. Take a listen.
All right. So again, I wanted to pick something uh, all the way back to the first album with Def Leppard to uh, to drive home the point that uh, that Def Leppard, Joe Elliott, and the guys were big into this idea of of sweet, large, huge background vocals. You know, before Mutt Lang came came around, this album uh, on through the night is produced by Tom Allum, and. Um, you know, I, I think the big thing you have happening here is that Joe Elliott is such a big musicologist and music fan, and we know uh, we know from history he loves Queen, and he's he's a glam expert. He knows all that glam stuff up and down too. So he's in there loving this and doing this. His voice when he sings, he's got he's got kind of a higher register, but he also has some gruffness in his voice. So he's got a little manliness to his voice. So it's good when you have this uh, this tempering going on. Now, the big reason Def Leppard has to be in here um, is not Hello America or anything off the first album, but the band continue to do this through this album. Then Mutt Lang comes along. They do High and Dry. They continue to do it. But the big reason. Uh, Def Leppard is one of the first names that comes to mind, Def Leppard Queen. Um, when it comes to this stuff is when you get to 1983's Pyromania and Mutt Lang is in there just being insane with his with his production meticulousness. Uh, there are super high, machine-like, inhuman, multi-multi-multi-tracked backup vocals all over that album. You think of the song Foolin', for example, uh, Die Hard the Hunter, um, all over that record. Uh, uh, what else do we got on there? Anyways, Rock of Ages, um, but uh, Photograph. So all over that record, uh, you know, one of the big things about that record, uh, one of the big uh, trademark sounds, uh, and, you know, and, and one of the reasons it went diamond. It's one of the biggest selling records of all time. Is those high vocals? It's also the major, major multi-tracking of the guitar. It's also the very mechanized, uh, you know, au courant um, electronic sound of the drums. Lots of things. Great songs. Great hits. It's just a really classic, excellent album. So that's Mutt Lang doing that. And I, I, I also wanted to make the point. Um, it's kind of interesting if you want to hear where Mutt Lang is is kind of uh, doing this in an in an early. Um, in an early situation, it's his work with the band City Boy. City Boy is more of like a pop, pomp, rock band. Um, you know, big production, but they also had quite a bit of heavy stuff. Check it out. One of my favorite albums of all time is uh, The Day the Earth Caught Fire. Um, great, great City Boy album. I believe that's 1979. Um, but you can hear Mutt Lang putting in those Def Leppard vocals. I don't want to even call them anything else. They really are Def Leppard vocals. You can hear the Def Leppard vocals uh, across those early City Boy albums, which is kind of cool. Um, so there you have it. Um, I don't know what you guys think of background vocals in heavy metal or, or particularly angelic background vocals in heavy metal. Actually, let me make one more point. So, so the Def Leppard thing is really the, the, the leaping off point. Uh, Pyromania doing so well, it being 1983, it being the birth year of hair metal. This is where you get, um, this is where you get the idea that we should do a lot of these high inhuman, meticulously recorded background vocals across many, many big hair metal albums to come. Uh, Warrant is a band that comes to mind uh, that had good background vocals, good big background vocals. So you get all the big producers, Bo Hill getting involved in this kind of stuff. Um, but, um, 
But yeah, I think it more or less comes from Def Leppard. And I, I even, you know, even in the grittier, heavy end of things, you see Aerosmith uh, really starting to put in the background vocals. Before when they did them, they were more kind of Rolling Stonesy. You know, the Mick Jagger and the and Keith in there. You know, not too many tracks of it. A little bit of a harmony, just a simple harmony. Aerosmith used to be like that. But, you know, into the 80s and into the 90s when you would put it on, it would be these big vocals. What we used to call in the hair metal days gang vocals, right? So there's another term uh, for, for this kind of thing. Um, but there you go. Um, so I hope you enjoyed this episode. It was a little bit walk down a kind of a weird little path, but that is the history of Choirs of Angels, uh, history in five songs. Um of background vocals for you. So um, I will sign off. Um, let me know what you think of this episode. You can Facebook me. I'm pretty good with that. Um, you can email me at martinp uh, martin at My website is martinpopoff.com. Until next time, um, keep listening to that heavy metal. Find all of our shows, notes, social, and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you listen to great podcasts. All songs can be found for purchase on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please purchase these great and important tracks. Find us on Facebook at The RNRAP. We are on Instagram at RNR Archaeology. Tweet us at RNR Archaeology. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.